0: It was sad. It was a bad day for them. And what the enemy said was, they said, we we command you to leave by the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. And he said, Paul, I know, and Jesus, I know, but we don't know you. Why? Because they were trying to represent the power, the authority. They were trying to command the authority in the name of Jesus without being properly submitted to the name. Now, we know why the man who Jesus referred to as having the greatest faith, he said, I have not found such great faith in all of Israel. Matthew 8, the centurion who came to Jesus and said, if you will just send the word... My servant shall be healed. And then he explained why he believed that. Because I am a man, what did he say first? I am a man under authority. I'm under authority. So because I'm under authority, I also have people under my authority. He couldn't have people under his authority in that organization without him first being under authority. So the submission to the authority gave him the ability to execute authority. And he said, because I'm submitted to authority, I can command my soldiers to go, and they go. And I can command them to come, and they come. And I tell them to do this, and they do it. Why? Because we're following a chain of authority, a chain of command. The chain of command begins with the, the, the head and all of those submitted to the head are delegated authority that they in turn can execute in the name of the one they are submitted to, in the name of the one they are submitted to. Isn't that what we're seeing with the name of Jesus The name of Jesus is operative in our life because we're submitted to him as our Lord and our Savior. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to look at how Jesus delegated authority to his disciples in Luke chapter 10 because we are disciples and the authority that's been delegated to us is a far more far reaching authority that he was operating in uh, before the cross. He was operating in the authority uh, that God had originally given to Adam. But we know that from the scriptures that we've been studying from Philippians chapter 2, that because of the cross, God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess. But it began with that wherefore, recognizing that because of his obedience, even to the point of death, On the cross, the triumph that he obtained on the cross gave him the uh, uh, the victory that God, in turn, took that authority, took that victory that he had gained over Satan, and established him with an authority that was not just. What what authority did Adam have on the earth? Whatever creeps on the, uh, the, whatever beasts, animals, fish, birds, you have authority here on the earth. But what authority did Jesus have? On the earth, above the earth, and under the earth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And here in Luke chapter 10, we see Jesus delegating authority to his disciples. In verse 1, it says, After these things the Lord appointed... He appointed other 70 also and sent them. He appointed them and he sent them two and to before his face into every city and place where he himself would come. So they are appointed by Jesus and they are sent by Jesus. Now notice what Jesus says and this is establishing spiritual law. Jesus is telling us this because it is spiritual law. He's telling us this is a standard of how things operate. Look in verse um, 16 of the same chapter. He that hears you hears me. He's sending them before him, so Jesus isn't there yet. But he says, if they hear what you say, in actuality... This spiritual law that governs this situation says, if they, see, if they hear you, they're hearing me because you're speaking for me. And then he said, he that, he that despises you despises me. And the word despise means in estimation. If they look at you and think, he's nothing, she's nothing. Who, do, who are they? Who do they think they are? Who do they think they are saying that God wants to prosper me? Who do they think they are saying that, that in other words, they think little. Despise doesn't necessarily mean full-blown, I can't stand your face. <laughs> it, it means if they think little of you, if they look at you and say, didn't you grow up in Little Rock? Are you from the country? I hear a southern twang, right? Uh, who said women can preach, right? If they look at you and say, hey, weren't you the one who used to be the drunk that, I, that was always coming out of the bar down the street? If they look at you and despise you, who are they really despising? Why? Because Jesus sent you. He sent you, and so I'm not here on my accord on my idea i'm not here because i thought it was a great idea i'm here because he sent me you're here because he sent you and so he said he that hears you hears me he that thinks little of you or doesn't hold a high regard for you they're really not holding very much regard or estimation of me and he that despises me is actually despising the one that sent me so really it's god who they are refusing to give honor to. It's God who they are not respecting. Amen? So Jesus is telling them this because this is a standard that is still true today. The way we receive determines how we, uh, the result that we get from that receiving. In another place, Jesus explained it this way. He said, if they receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, They'll receive the reward that comes with that prophet's office. But if they just receive that same person as a righteous man, then they'll receive a result that you would get from receiving a righteous man. It's how you, and that's why we, it's not something that is um, uh, trying to hold uh, someone in an undue place. But I don't call my pastor by his name. And if other people call him by his first name in my presence, I will either correct them if they're in a position of being corrected in my life, or it it, it takes them down in my estimation. (laughs) Because he is my pastor. And what he ministers to me is from God. What he speaks to me is spiritual. I don't want to know my pastor and my pastor's wife in, uh, just by the natural. I want to know what God has deposited in them. And to, to be, that's, that marks a spiritual maturity for a church who can receive their pastor as one sent by God to them to feed them. When people come in and they want to call the pastor by the first name, what they're doing is trying to bring that person down so that we can be buddies. You don't want to be buddy with the, with the one who is, but because you'll receive what a buddy can give you from that person. And it's not because that person is just trying to give you that. Hallelujah. This is for us to, to become skilled in. Why? Because we are also sent ones. And we need to acknowledge, we need to recognize that when God sends me into a situation, and all of us, whether you're ever called to full-time ministry, whether you're ever called to preach the gospel behind the pulpit, we are all called to be light unto the world. We are all called to be influencers, world changers, faith builders, in our family, in our our job uh, influence, in in our friends and and, and neighbors. We are representatives, whether we like it or not, people are going to look at us and say, didn't she say she was a Christian? Why did she just cuss in that post? Is that a wine glass in that picture on Facebook? I hope they've got... Non-alcoholic grape juice in that, whether you like it or not. I was talking with uh, Cheryl Salem and her husband, and uh, they said, "If we are at a ta- if we are out to dinner, and they have encountered." Christian people that they were out to dinner with and these Christian people wanted to order a bottle of wine and they said, if you do that, we will have to get up and leave because we're not going to have that wine glass on our table and people question our, and and not what people think of me as much as how that's going to hurt their walk with God. How it would hurt a person's walk with God. For them to look at someone that they respect and consider to be an influence for God and look and think, oh my gosh, they can drink, why can't I? How did I get here? So, not only is this how we receive others, but we've got to be cognizant of the fact that people are influenced by our walk with God, how they receive us, how they receive us. And so, if your family knows that uh, if mama ain't happy, what's that saying for our love walk? You know, when that first started going around, pastor said that a a few times. You know, if mama ain't happy. And then we realized what that was saying. You know, I'm happy all the time. I don't don't put pressure emotionally on my family to to please me. That's not a Proverbs 31 woman. I just might as well come on down here, y'all. That's not a Proverbs 31 woman that says, yeah, if mama ain't happy. I mean, you don't want to be the person that people walk in to the outer office and say, what is she like today? What is he like today? And they walk in the house wondering. No, we set the atmosphere, ladies. We set that we are the thermostat in the house. We need to have the thermostat set on joy and peace at all times. Why? Because we are a word-governed people. We are word-governed. Hallelujah. So, so our, our walk with God is being received, and so we want to have the stability of our walk with God. We want to have the understanding that we are representing Jesus at all times. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And not just, it's not just about what people think, because you can't help what people think. Some people are going to think what they're going to think regardless. But it's about I love people enough, I love God, and I love my brother and sister in Christ that I'm not going to do anything that would be an obstacle, a hindrance, a stumbling block for someone else's walk with God. Hallelujah. And that can include arguing in the parking lot. Here I go. I'm just going to preach to the, the light right here. I'm not looking at anybody. Just going to preach to the light. Arguing in the parking lot. People, you pull up and you know they're having World War III in the, in the car. And then they get out and they say, praise the Lord. <laughs> praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And it might be your brother and sister in Christ that you're hollering at and when they pull out on the freeway. Yeah, amen? amen. amen. Glory, to Glory to God. Okay. He that hears you, hears me. He that despises you, despises me. And he that despises me, despises him that sent me. Verse 17, and the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through your name. Through your name. So now we know what they were doing with this delegated authority. They, and they were, they were using the name then. Through your name. Why? Because they were identifying. I am here representing Jesus who is going to show up in this village in about two days. And I am coming to prepare the way for him. And I am coming to get people ready for the lives to be changed and their, their world to be set right again. And I am coming in the name. That's what they, it says, the devils are subject to us through your name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning falling from heaven. Behold, uh, behold I give unto you power to tread upon all serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. The first word power is different from the second word power in the original language. In the King James, it was translated power both ways. But the first word is the word exousia, which is translated authority. I give you authority, the right to govern I give you jurisdiction. Now when we say jurisdiction, we we recognize that police officers only have the authority that they have in their jurisdiction. For instance, a police officer from Louisiana or a police officer from Mississippi or a police officer from Kansas would not be able to come into this city and operate the same authority that a police officer in our city would have. Amen? In the same way, those who have rank in the army don't, can't walk over into the Marines and bark their commands. They're not in that same position in the marines they would be honored and respected for the position they have in the army but they can't come and dictate how things are going to go in the marines because they're not that's not their jurisdiction so this word exousia means you've been given jurisdiction you have the right to control or govern in your jurisdiction and so it says I give unto you authority, the right to control or govern. I give you jurisdiction to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the dunamis of the enemy. Dunamis is the same word that is used to describe the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's talking about explosive power. The actual definition would say explosive power even a miracle-working power. So did Pharaoh's magicians throw down their sna- their rods and their rods turn into snakes? Well, that was witchcraft. That wasn't the power of God. It was witchcraft. It, it was a demonic power in operation. And we recognize that there is a demonic power that comes with depression. If you have ever encountered thoughts of depression, they bring feelings with them. In the same way that when you experience the presence of God, when, when God is ministering to you, there, you can, there are times you can sense his presence. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is administering that to help you recognize he's administering that peace. When, you've, when the peace of God, that supernatural peace, there's no comparison. There's nothing in this world that compares to the supernatural peace of God. And it, there is a, a, a feeling of that peace. It, you can sense it in your, in your natural feelings. Well, the enemy duplicates that, and he will bring fear. He will bring worry that feels so real. And it gets... It gets your, your stomach butterflies. It, it causes all of the reaction in your natural body that, that comes with fear, palms sweating. Anybody ever had practiced fear? I mean, that's a stronghold. If you've practiced it until the point that it gains momentum and control, it now is a stronghold. Phobias are strongholds. I know Sister uh, Jean Val testified about how that there was a time that she did not leave her house. Was it two and a half years? Five years? She a phobia had gotten a stronghold in her life. It took for five years she did not leave her house. Wave at her. She's here in church today. She said the way that God helped her with it, God gave her a scripture, and God took her outside and stood on the porch for, was five minutes that first time? Fifteen minutes. So God, with the scripture, helped her gain the strength on the inside, and she overcame it 15-minute increments at a time, standing out on her porch. Say, look here, devil, I'm outside. I left my house. I'm on the porch. Thank you, Jesus, I'm on the porch. Thank you, Jesus. I've got fresh air, wind blowing in my hair. Amen? Until God wrought in her the complete victory. But what kept her in the house for five years was that feeling that came along with it. So the enemy has dunamis. But notice, we have the right to govern any dunamis, any working, so no witchcraft going on in my family. Amen. We're not having that. We're not, depression, you're not going to, you have to stop at the, the door is covered in the blood. You're not coming in the house. Amen. Bad dreams, I don't play with that. Bad dreams try to come on me or uh, on Lily. There's a couple of times she's woke up in the middle of the night and, 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 uh, and I go in, she goes, I had a bad dream. Okay, we are covering this is with the blood. We refuse that. And, and I help her recognize how she is to resist it, and, how, and we pray at night. But those are areas that the enemy tries to gain an entrance with this dunamis, but we've been given the right to control it. Not in my house. Not in my life. Not in my body. Remember, it's not automatic just because you're saved. It legally belongs to you, but it's not going to automatically manifest. The victory is not going to automatically happen. The, 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 uh, the shift in the way that that's going is not going to happen just because you're saved. And there are people who are sitting around saying, God, why won't you change this? God, why is this happening to me? God, and he's saying, say something, do something, call on the name. Operate the authority I've given you. You're authorized here. You're authorized here. I I want you to think about, you know, I just looked at at Tracy, and every time I look at Tracy, I see, I believe God. But, you know, when, when Paul made that statement, I believe God, he had received instruction of God not to sail. And he went and he told the people in charge don't set forth out of this safe place where our ship is docked because it's going to turn and it's going to be dangerous. And we are all and 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 it, it is, don't do it. And they looked at the natural and they said, the skies look blue. We don't see any indication that there is going to be a storm, and we want to get where we want to go, so we're going to set forth and sail anyway. And they get out in the middle of the ocean, and they have such a a storm come on them for day day after day after day after day after day after day. Until the point that they have thrown everything, food, all of the rigging of the ship. They've thrown everything over. They are all preparing to die. They are are forlorn. They are are sad. They are caught up in the storm and what that storm is doing to them. But there was one man on that ship who dared to believe God and change the outcome of the situation. It wasn't automatic. It didn't just happen. Paul was praying for those people on the ship. It wasn't their faith that rescued them. One man's faith saved every living human being on that boat. One man's faith. What is your faith going to be able to do for your family? There may be people in your family that don't care about God. They're not interested in church. They're not living for Him. They're not walking in the light. But your prayers can bring them out of the storm and bring them into the plan and the purpose of God if you will just become skilled in the authority that is delegated to you in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, all my children are taught of the Lord and great is the peace of my children. In the name of Jesus, the Lord will contend with those who contend with me and he will save my children. Hallelujah. And my grandchildren. They're mine too. Hallelujah. It's not automatic, but it's legally ours. It's legally ours. And I'm willing to to pay the price, if you will, of the diligence and the discipline to give my attention, to guard my heart against the deposits that the world would like to make, the news the goings on that are not pertinent to my outcome i'm 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 wor- i'm willing to set aside those things that would be a distraction. And give my attention looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. I'm willing to, to make that necessary. Just like Paul on the ship that day. He, he had to be willing to, to not give his attention to the fact that they just threw over all the rigging of the ship. Uh, there they go, throwing over the food now. Okay, they, what, that doesn't matter. That's not going to stop God from saving us. And when you see them drinking and smoking and getting high and partying all night, that doesn't mean God's not going to save them. That's not even going in my equation. I'm not going to give my attention to that. You know what I see? I see their hands lifted to God. I see their faces a- worshiping and adoring Jesus Christ. I see them serving God and coming to church and bringing their children to church. I see them with their Bibles open and the light of God's word shining in their spirits. Hallelujah. I believe God. It's not automatic, but it's available to me. It's not automatic, but it's available to me. It's been delegated to me. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus said, I give you authority. I give you the right to control. What are we going to do with that authority? What are we going to do with that right to control? What are we going to do with our jurisdiction? you know I have to identify Barney and his bullet. Barney had one bullet. Y'all know who Barney is? Andy Griffith Show. Barney was the deputy. Barney was the deputy, and he only had one bullet, and Andy wouldn't let him keep his bullet in his gun. And so Barney, if he, if he got into a situation, he's digging for his bullet right, I'm digging for my bullet. He's looking in his little front pocket of his, his, his uh, officer's uniform for his bullet. And, you know, he's, he's fighting to get that bullet out and then he's trying to put it in his gun, but it's been so long since he put a bullet in a gun. He's trying to figure out how to put the bullet in the gun. That is not you. That is not us. No, no, we're going to be, we're going to be we're loaded already, loaded for bear. We're, we're loaded, and we're skilled in loading. In the name that is above every name, I speak to this situation. You turn now. In the name of Jesus, I call for the peace of God to come over this family. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I speak. I pronounce the blessing over my finances and all the money that that we need in this family comes to us in the name of Jesus. Jesus said, whatever you require, demand, insist on, in my name, I'll do it for you. He said, whatever you require, demand, insist, or claim from the Father, He will give it to you so that your joy may be full so that your joy may be full. Praise God. I give you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the dunamis, whatever out, out um, outflow or display of power that the enemy would try to do, you can tell it, no, you're not taking place here. You know, when look with me at 2 Corinthians 10 and i want you to see from a, a perspective of not just using these weapons personally but how these weapons would benefit if you use them on the behalf of other people 2 Corinthians 10:3 though we walk in the flesh we do not war Do battle after the flesh. So we're talking about spiritual battle. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but we would say they are spiritual, and they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, What if you use those weapons for your children, for your loved ones? If you have a family member who is deceived into atheism and thinks there is no God, the God of this world has blinded their mind. How do we deal with that mind blinding? How do we stop his activity of blinding their mind? Remember, is it automatic? It's available. It's not just going to happen. Somebody's going to have to ask God. Somebody's going to have to exercise authority. Somebody's going to need to say, in the name of Jesus, the lie." that my loved one has received, is a mind-blinding tool of the enemy, and I break it off their mind. If you don't say it, there's no legal authorization on record that it's ever been dealt with. But if you'll say it, you don't have to say it to their face. You don't have to tell anybody else, but if you're in the presence of God, there are some utterances, some things we say in the presence of God, and everything, he's got it on record. So if the devil comes and says, why did you set them free? God said, I have legal authority. A representative of mine came and operated jurisdiction and and commanded that lie to be broken off their life. And the devil says, who did that? Let me play the recording for you. I've got the recording. And then then your voice begins to play. In the name of Jesus. Now God has legal right to go in there and break that lie. Hallelujah. Now if it's a lie, if, if it's a stronghold, if it's a stronghold, you may have to stay with that longer than you stay with a thought. A thought, you take it into captivity. An imagination, high things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God, you have to cast them down. But a stronghold, it's a pulling down. Can you, can you maybe uh, use your, your imagination to see how uh, certain uh, buildings may be, or if you've ever seen somebody fell a tree? and they've got a rope tied to the top so that it doesn't fall the wrong way towards the house, and they're pulling on it, right? They're pulling. They've got to pull that big, tall, heavyweight thing in the direction they want it to go. A person who has thought and thought and thought and thought and built an imagination and played that imagination like a video over and over and over and over, until it becomes such a strong force in their thought life. They've practiced it. They've practiced it. This is why we want to recognize the difference between the prayer of faith and when I'm interceding for someone. Because the prayer of faith is something that I see as a covenant promise that belongs to me and I can claim it and I receive it and from that moment on I don't need to pray it again I say father I thank you that I believed I received that and I'm releasing my faith every time I say father thank you I'm I'm acknowledging that I believed I received but I'm not trying to pray it all over again But because there are so many people who have become acquainted with that prayer and it's the only prayer they pull out of their their kitchen drawer, like they try to do everything with the spatula, right? Well, you might need a spoon instead of a spatula. You might need that prayer that, that is an intercession. And the prayer of intercession is is activating the work of intercession that jesus has done but that prayer of intercession may be required to pray it again tomorrow i might need to to hammer at that for a while because the word of god is like a hammer and the lord might have me coming to pray about that person and praying the same way for a while i remember hearing uh lynn hammond talk about their church and how that their church was doing an outreach into the community. And every week their church would go out. They invited people from the church to come. And they had different communities in the, the their city that they were going to. And she said, we had a group that of, of, of intercessors. She and about four or five other women that would come. And they would pray while the other people were out ministering. And they would pray over that, that outreach. And she said there was such a synergy in that prayer. And she said, for however many years, like it was like three, four years, that they would come together and the power of God would just direct them in prayer and move them. And they, they knew we're gaining ground, we're gaining ground, we're gaining ground. And she said, one day we came in to pray and we were so used to coming in and the Holy Spirit just ministering to us in that prayer of how to pray and leading us and and the power of god being so evident in that praying and she said this day we came in and there was nothing and she said we're trying to pray and we're trying to pray and it's just like bouncing off the walls and she said, what is the matter what is wrong and she said that next week 250 people showed up to go out, and they had more people saved in that one night than they had had that whole year. And she realized we prayed it through. We had stayed with that prayer, and we had prayed it out until we prayed it through the the fulfillment of what God wanted in that outreach. When you're dealing with praying for and exercising authority for your family members, there, there needs to be such a dependence on the Holy Spirit to show you what to pray and how to pray and for you to, to uh, listen to him, direct you. Whether it's praying for your family member or your marriage or coming out of debt, all of these different aspects of things that we're, we're endeavoring to follow God in, we need to allow him to instruct us how to pray and then don't get hung up in that routine of praying until you drive it into a ditch, until it becomes something religious or old hat to you. But when you begin to sense, okay, I need to shift that. that, that's been the way that I've prayed for four weeks now, but now he's telling me to shift. That's because he knows that part of it has been done in the spirit. There are things that we pray out in the spirit, and then we'll walk them out in the natural. That's why when we come together on Monday nights for corporate prayer, we're praying some things out. We're laying the railroad tracks out in front of the train. Amen? Amen? And so when we're praying and we're exercising this authority in prayer, we are depending on the Holy Spirit to show us how to deal with the enemy. This is the weapon of our warfare, to cast, to pull down strongholds, to cast down the imaginations and the high things that try to exalt themselves, against the knowledge of... You may not know all the details of what is trying to to build itself up in the mind of your teenager. You may not know how the, for instance, the the pressure, the peer pressure. They may never tell you about what their friends are talking about. They may never tell you that so-and-so offered them such-and-such drug. They may never tell you. They may not come home. They're going to keep those things quiet, but the Holy Spirit will tell you. He will tell you. My husband came up one day, and he had that look on his face. He was walking up the stairs. We lived in in DeSoto, Kansas, and uh, our oldest child was 17. And he came up the stairs from our bedroom, and I saw that look in his eye, and I said, what? He said, the Lord told me to look in the top right-hand drawer of her clo- of her dresser and i'm right behind him I'm, I'm inquiring minds want to know i was right behind him what he walked right in opened the drawer pulled back the socks and right there was a pack of cigarettes busted the holy spirit told him that she doesn't smoke today Praise God. Didn't smoke for any time after that. She, she didn't smoke anymore. I prayed one time. I said, Lord, I, I, I don't want my children to think that they can live a deceptive life. If they are deceiving me, cause me to find it out. God led me to, do, to pray that prayer. That prayer did not originate with my mind. It originated right here in my spirit. God, I, like whatever they're doing in the sea, and then he gave me the scripture, whatever things are done in, in the darkness will be shouted from the rooftop. Well, my son sat me down one day. He said, Mom, before you see this on the Channel 4 News, I want to tell you about the fight club I started at school that the police did a helicopters and SWAT team bus not maybe not SWAT team but they had like police officers yeah with the with the yeah, Her son was there too <laughs> My son started the fight club And sure enough 4 o'clock news Shouted from the housetops. But you know what he found out? You can't live a deceptive lifestyle. I went to the school. The school knew about it and the parent didn't. What is the matter with that problem? What is the matter with that? I went to the school. I said, how come nobody told me? How come I had to wait until the 4 o'clock news came? The 5 o'clock news channel 4. But you know what? He learned you can't live a deceptive lifestyle. And the Holy Spirit, why? Because I have the authority to know. There are some things that we don't know just because we haven't asked the Lord. We have authority to know. We have clearance. And there are some things that God will talk to you about just because you pray for that person. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. We have jurisdiction. Now, Jesus in Matthew 28 declared something before he ascended to the Father that he had not declared previously. In verse 18, Jesus came and spoke unto them saying, All exousia, all authority, all right to control or govern, all dominion or all jurisdiction is given unto me in heaven and in earth, all authority, this is what we read from Philippians chapter 2 and since it was a week ago and you may not have been here, we'll just read it again so we can see it, together, Philippians 2, Verse 8, being found in fashion as a man, Jesus humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, this is why God also has highly exalted him and given him a name. So, Jesus, as the Son of Man, the Son of God, who poured out his life on the cross as a man he was authorized to receive the authority that God had delegated to Adam. He was the only one authorized to receive the authority that God had delegated to Adam because he was the only man on the earth who was not under Satan's control. He was the only man who was alive unto God and had no contact, no connection, no no bloodline lineage with uh, fallen Adam's bloodline. Jesus was born of a virgin, so he legally came as a man, but he wasn't from Adam's bloodline. He was legally a man, but he wasn't. From Adam's bloodline, which gave him the right to administer the authority that God had originally given to mankind, let us make man in our image and let mankind have dominion. Adam fell, and with that fall, the dominion that had been delegated to him came into Satan's control because Satan was controlling Adam. And all of fallen man, he had authority. But Colossians chapter 1 says that he has translated us out of the dominion of darkness and into the dominion, the kingdom of the Son of God's love. We're not in the dominion. Why? Because we've been born again. So Jesus received the authority or he had the power to execute the authority that God had. That's why he could command the wind and the waves, and they obeyed him. Glory to God. That authority was operative in him, but after the cross, God gave him a higher authority, an authority that included authority in heaven, because now he declares all authority in heaven and in earth are given unto me. He is about to ascend where he will execute the authority in heaven. But he has left his body, his born-again ones, the body of Christ to execute the dominion on the earth. And the head who is seated at the right hand of the Father is waiting for the execution of the authority from the body. That the body would put under our feet all of the, anim- uh, the uh, activity of the enemy. He is waiting until his enemies be made his footstool. P- we are the body. Yeah. with the, the feet are on the body. If, if each one of us don't begin to exercise our authority in our own personal lives and then in the other areas as we gain skill. Hallelujah. He can't do it without us. I know that that's one of those things that you you think. "Ah." But remember our pattern. We talked about it Wednesday night. Remember our pattern. Jesus said, I can only do what I've seen my father do. He sent me. He sent me. So I'm here to do his will. And because he sent me, he's authorized me. And then Acts 10, 38 says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the enemy for God was with him. How was God with him? He sent him. He delegated to him. He anointed him. Did God do it without Jesus? Where would God be if Jesus had not obeyed him? If Jesus had not fulfilled the will of the Father, where would we be with God? We wouldn't. It's only been 2,022 years, y'all. Think about how heaven has changed. Think about how, how life has changed in the universe. But Jesus had to obey the father. Jesus had to be serious about doing the will of the father. He had to take seriously the reason he was sent. He had to take seriously the authorization, and he said, what I do, I do because the father in me does the work. The works that we do, we do because Jesus in us does the work. It is not I that live, but it's Christ that lives in me. He's the one doing the work. He's helping us in prayer. He's helping us in exercising our authority. He's doing the work, but he can't do it without you. It's not going to happen without you. So this whole idea of God is sovereign being in, interpreted, if it happens, it's because God wanted it. And if it doesn't happen, it's because God didn't want It's sabotaging people's lives yeah. because they're never stepping up and exercising authority and say, I know God doesn't want me to have that going on in my life. I know God doesn't want me to be depressed So I I resist that depression in Jesus' name, and I'm going to lift my hands and I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, hallelujah. Lord, you're good, you're good, you're good. If we don't exercise the authority to resist those things, it's not going to automatically happen, although it legally does belong to us. We've got to know it, and we've got to initiate it, and we've got to say something. I'll close with this. Gloria Copeland, she had a birthday yesterday, turned 80. She was going out to eat with her husband, and her husband said, she does this to him all the time, she, he said, where do you want to go eat? And she said, oh, honey, wherever you want to go. Wherever you want to go to eat. And he said, oh, come on, tell me, what do you feel like eating? What do you want? Where, are you, where do you want to go to eat? She goes, oh, honey, just whatever you want to eat. And she said, he likes to go through the cafeteria line. And he took her to the cafeteria and she said, I hate the cafeteria. I want to sit down and let them bring me my food. I don't want to take a tray and go through and point at food and then put it on my plate. And she said, So I'm there and I got my tray and I'm rolling my eyes and I'm thinking, Oh. (sighs) And finally get through the line and go sit down. And her husband looked at her and said, What is the matter? What is the matter? She goes, I don't like cafeterias. Why did you bring me to this cafeteria? He said, honey, I asked you what you wanted, but you didn't say anything. Say something. Tell me. There are things that people are putting up with and rolling their eyes and saying, God, why don't you change this? God, why don't you make this different? God, why haven't you saved my son? Why haven't you spoken to my daughter? God, why is this happening? God is saying, I, you are the one with the bullet in your pocket. What is that bullet doing in your pocket? You've got to exercise your authority. I've done my part. I've made it available, but it needs to be initiated from your side. It ha- you have to flip the switch from your side with the name, the authority. You have to exercise the authority on the earth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The name has been given to men. It says God has given him a name. He gave him that name as the man, Jesus Christ. Son of God, 100%, yes. But as the son of man, he was authorized to execute the authority given to man. Jesus Jesus is fine with being both the son of God and the son of man. He identified himself more often as the son of man than he identified himself as the son of God, not negating or diminishing his position as the son of God, but emphasizing I'm legally authorized to execute the authority on this earth. And now, all authority. But the authority on the earth is delegated to us. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus as Lord, it is necessary to believe in your heart and declare with your mouth the accepting of Jesus Christ as your Lord. The Bible says, with the heart, man believes unto righteousness, believing that God raised Jesus from the dead for me. But then it says, with the mouth, Confessing Jesus as Lord brings us into salvation, rescue, restoration, freedom, liberty. With the heart and with the mouth, if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus as Lord, would you just lift your hand right now and say, I want to make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. I want to know him as my Savior. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For the sake of those who are watching, I want to lead this prayer. Although there's no one here in the sanctuary today, we are preparing ourselves as a church congregation for there to be a harvest of lives changed and souls saved in our services. I believe we're experiencing a preparation for that. If you are watching online and you believe that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead by God the Father and you would like to accept him as your Lord and Savior today, I want you to pray this prayer with me. I come to you and I lay down my life and I ask Jesus Christ to wash me in the blood that he poured out on the cross cleanse me of my sin I believe that God raised Jesus from the dead and today I believe you will raise me out of spiritual death and into spiritual life. Jesus, be my Savior, be my Lord. I give you my life and I accept yours in Jesus' name.